Welcome into the show. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Monday, December the 2nd. Can you believe it? We are already in December. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving week. We certainly did. Enjoyed uh, the time off and time away with family and... um, was definitely definitely a good time and uh hope you had a good time as well um it was it was a good it was it was a good week um not a lot going on Uh, i don't know how you are i am one of those who is is not a big black friday shopper i don't get out much on black friday uh, in terms of going out and doing retail um but uh i i do some stuff online but uh, just not into the craziness i don't know if any of you watched any of some of the craziness uh if you, if you get on social media at all you can find some just crazy behavior from people when it comes to black friday you know first in line fighting over televisions over this over that i'm like good lord um it it was it was quite bizarre and um you know just just really really um you know crazy and i i'm really glad that uh didn't have to deal with with any of that at all. Uh, pretty quiet weekend from that standpoint. Uh, although Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, uh, some of the stores you know have started opening to try to get a you know head start on Black Friday. I don't know what you call that, but um, anyway, went into a sporting goods store and and it did happen to find um, you know an, a good pair of a uh, nice pair of. Uh, uh, copas, uh, cleats, uh, that I'd, you know, been wanting to, to get for a while and, uh, had a good deal on. So, uh, you know, did that, but, uh, for the most part, it was either shop on my phone or, or not shop at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those weekends where it's like, you're either kind of in it or you're just like, eh, I'll pass, and I'm more in the I'll, I'll pass category. But uh, other than that, it was a good, it was a good weekend, um, and you know, enjoyed the time with uh, with family, and I hope you did as well. Um, so wanted to um, to you know kind of take a look at where we're at on some things and uh, in in the world of of soccer a uh, lot lot going on Champions League continuing um, the domestic leagues overseas continuing uh, yesterday big match between Barca and uh, Atletico Madrid in Madrid and uh, Barcelona comes in wearing uh, uniforms uh, a fourth kit this is not something they normally do but this year they created a fourth kit this was kind of as a club taking a stance a political stance and uh, did a little bit of a spinoff of their yellow kit this year with um, basically a kit that kind of looks like uh, a Catalan flag in a way and uh, with the red stripes a uh, little alteration to that that uh, yellow kit to um, create this fourth kit and um, you know I, I personally I, I liked it I don't I don't know what everybody else thought I, I liked it but uh, the, the game itself, um, was yet another um, masterclass from Simeone about how to take away spaces, make it very difficult to break down and play against. Um, and it was at the very end where Barcelona, on a quick kind of counterattack, um, Messi does what Messi does, picks the ball up out on the right as the seven, cuts into the center, into the... You know, the space right underneath um, Luis Suarez plays the ball off of him. Suarez with an incredibly deft, beautiful, soft one touch right into Messi's path, perfectly placed. I mean, Messi didn't even have to break stride. It was so perfect. Um, You cannot give enough uh, superlatives or accolades to that pass from Suarez uh, for Messi to find him and then Suarez to just be able to lay that off the way he did. 
puts it right in Messi's path. Messi on the first touch back from Suarez rips a shot, curls it around Oblak into the goal. Barca wins 1-0. And uh, I believe many have said this, uh, even leading up to this, but especially in the aftermath of that goal yesterday. Um, if if you can say anything about this team, it's Messi is continuing to keep Valverde uh, in his post. He is, he is single-handedly keeping Valverde from being fired because he keeps uh, pulling magic out of his hat. And hopefully, many expect him to, and hopefully this is the case, he wins uh, his sixth Ballon d'Or. He should have many more than that. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's marketing team did a very good job uh, over the years in getting him uh, some Ballon d'Ors when, uh, quite frankly, he wasn't better than Messi. But uh, it is what it is, and so hopefully uh, Messi gets this um, gets this accolade this week, and uh, that puts him over the edge, and uh, we can we can stop with all this nonsense uh, about he and Ronaldo. Ronaldo is an in- incredible player, incredible talent. He is no messy. Uh, speaking of Ronaldo, Ronaldo has been struggling. Uh, you know, maybe you've not been following as much, uh, with him playing in this area. I don't know, but, uh, um, you know, had some, you know, penalty, uh, goals. He's been scoring against kind of the bottom, uh, half or, or even bottom third of the table. Um, and, and then, you know, some weak, Champions League opponents is where he's been scoring most of his goals. Outside of that, he's not been very effective at all. Uh, Dybala has been the most important player for Juventus, not Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, We'll see if he gets it turned around. Uh, But, uh, you know, those statistics, if you actually go and look at where Ronaldo's been the last few years, if you've paid any attention and and you've not been trying to look at you know, propping up Ronaldo, just looking at the cold hard facts. The cold hard facts are that in a lot of these finals, including with Portugal, he's not been the reason things have happened. He's piled on after things have happened in many cases, not always. And certainly his presence, um, you know, makes an impact on the way that, that a team in a defense is set up to play. I get it. However, Ronaldo has not been a force, a a a, a proactive um, force, a protagonist in in its truest sense um, for a while, and, uh, and and so this this form that you're seeing at Juventus, where he, he's scoring some goals, but it's not making the impact the way you know you might would think. That's really probably because you weren't paying attention. Um, I, I think he's been on this decline for a while and, and am not surprised by this. Um, and when I say decline, I don't mean like he's a, a dumpster bin. I just don't think he is, um, you know, anywhere near the top of the world, uh, at all. So, um, Speaking of top of the world, uh, if you did not pay attention at all uh, during Black Friday, today, Cyber Monday, you should check out ducticbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G, brand.com. The the website has had... you know, sales and deals all, all weekend. When you use promo code DW show, you get 10% off of your order. It, it, it is something that you should uh, take advantage of today. Um, go to ductigbrand.com. They've got all kinds of notebooks, winter gear, etc. Check them out at ductigbrand.com. Use promo code DW show to get 10% off of your order. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday, December the 2nd. Time flies. We are already coming up into the last month of 2019 and uh, looking for 2020 to be even bigger, even better, even bolder. A lot of things we're working on behind the scenes to do that uh, and uh, look forward to um, rolling those out. Uh, it's 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 been a cool project. We've been on this path for, um, almost a year and a half and, uh, kind of seeing where we are, uh, with everything and, and where we are, uh, as a show. And then the, the project as we work on it, uh, going forward is, is pretty cool. Um, I want to get to a little bit of this, uh, article from, uh, MLS multiplex.com. Uh, it is MLS Explosive uh, BCG Report Defines American Troubles. This is by Andrew uh, Dowdswell, and um, hopefully I got your name right. Um, superb piece by Paul Tenorio and Pablo Moore revealed that in 2016, MLS commissioned the Balt. Boston Consulting Group to analyze every single aspect of the league. Some of the advice in the report is utterly maddening. A clear definition of the American troubles the league struggles from. Major League Soccer is unlike any other football league in the world. While English football has existed for more than 150 years, Mexico has long entwined itself with the world's most popular sport. And countries like Italy, Spain, Germany, and many of the South American giants have played the game for as long as they have existed in America. That same inherent interest in the sport does not exist. Even more pertinently, the very manner in which sports are governed in America is different to the rest of the world. The playoff system is unusual. Roster designations are extremely rare in world sport, while salary caps, trades, allocation money, and drafts are somewhat alien to many other sports. This dichotomy of wanting to attract an American audience while remaining a respected league in a global sport it unhinges many of the governmental decisions that are made within the league. And this week, this curious distanced decision-making was brought into the limelight by some superb germ- journalism by Paul Tenorio and Pablo Moore of The Atlantic. The piece from the pair reveals the findings of a 2016 study from the Boston Consulting Group, who MLS commissioned to con- conduct a top to bottom analysis of the league, scrutinizing every aspect of the organization from the financial prospects to the quality of play from the schedule issues to the television deals. You can read the piece here. It is behind a paywall and it is an extremely long read, but it is a superb piece that most certainly worth your time. That is a link uh, on MLSmultiplex.com to that original article. Uh, He goes on to say, I will not bore you with repeating many of the suggestions that the BCG supplied MLS. Some of their findings are rather complicated, especially especially those towards the more business end of the scale. But it would be fair to say that many of their ideas are rather idiotic. There were plenty of egregious statements in this report, but these were some of more of the more worrying. Should MLS act upon them? We're going to go through these and kind of kind of discuss some of these for just a minute. Uh, the first is, with regard to perceived quality, the study suggests that MLS would be better off uh, better off de-emphasizing a high-profile player. I ha- excuse me, be better off de-emphasizing a high-profile player's footprint and focusing more on the quality of their play. They recommend coaching the league's broadcast partners to, quote, reinforce quality in broadcast, even suggesting that the league might launch a national, quote, play quality campaign to change its perception. In other words, it's it's in the broadcast. Talk about how the quality of play is better. One of the problems with Major League Soccer is it is able to be compared to other leagues. The NFL, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, it's very hard to find direct competition to those leagues. Now, probably the two easier ones would be 
um, and if you threw the NHL in this as well, you can find a little bit of, um, you know, competition around the world with, with pro hockey leagues. None are on the level of the NHL. Major League Baseball, you can find some competition. None on the level of Major League Baseball. Japan, Japan being, you know, probably the most notable, but you also have a lot of the leagues that are, you know, in the Caribbean, in South America, in Mexico uh, as well. And then when you look at basketball, the the biggest uh, competitive uh, league that would be close or try to try to would be the closest to the NBA would be the Euro league. Um, it's nowhere near the NBA. It's n- nothing is around. And then NFL doesn't have any direct competition uh, on any size or scale that they have to worry about. Major league soccer does have to worry about because it is a, it is a, league competing in a global sport it is everywhere and you know this if you paid any attention so you have the premier league in england you have the championship in england you have league one league two on down their pyramid you have la liga in spain Ligue in in france you have Serie A in italy you have the eredivisie in the netherlands you have the superliga in denmark you have the bundesliga in germany you have the you know the J league in Japan, you see over and over and over again. And then we haven't even gotten to some of the most passionate fans in the world, all of the leagues in South America. So you have the the leagues in Brazil and Argentina. MLS has a lot of competition, has a lot of eyeballs and, and uh, being, being directed towards these leagues and then when they turn on the television and they look at what's going on with MLS, it's very difficult for them to match up because the quality is nowhere close. So it's a little head scratching to say that they want the broadcast partners to reinforce quality. As if if we just talk about it, even though nothing actually changes on the field, that we can convince people that what they're seeing isn't real. It's so bizarre. It is. It is definitely um, a situation where, when you look at the relationship between Major League Soccer and its broadcast partners, it it is very much this view that they should have control and influence over what's talked about them on the air. Not a good look. The fact that you have that mentality in the first place, certainly not a good look that you're trying to get propaganda um, on the coverage of your league out straight up lies. I mean, the the league is just not quality compared to the rest of the world. Kids know it. Kids know it even more than the adults. They'll turn on the league like, ah, this is trash. They know it. They can tell the difference. You're not going to fool the kids. You're certainly not fooling the adults already. So I, I don't even, I don't understand why you would focus on changing the conversation about the league. You should be focusing on changing the quality of play in the league. Next point. The study recommends filling roster spots 11 through 18 by sourcing talent globally Instead of locally, fans pri- prioritize quality over native sons. Roster spots 11 through 18 by sourcing talent globally. I think that that goes right back to what we were just talking about. The quality in the league isn't high enough. Now, what does that say about the MLS academies who are supposed to be producing talent and finding the best talent all over the country? You have 300 million plus in this country. You're telling me we can't find a couple hundred really good soccer players. I mean, 
all of this goes back to competency. The Federation, competency. MLS, competency. Do they really understand the business they're in? Third point. BCG recognizes that two key groups of fans, first are the soccer enthusiasts and large market fair weather fans. Prioritize different competitive models. Excuse me. Two groups of fans. The first is soccer enthusiasts. The second are the large market kind of fair weather fans. They prioritize different competitive models. Enthusiasts want closely contested games. In other words, parity. Fairweathers prefer a local championship contender. I don't believe this at all. I don't believe enthusiasts want parity. Enthusiasts want quality. They want the best. And I actually believe that large market Fairweather fans want the exact same thing. I don't think they want different things. I think the market, Fairweather and Avid fans, want quality. And then let things fall where they fall. You don't get the best leagues in the world without a quest for quality. In order to have parity, you must put a limit on quality. It's never the case when you implement rules on parity that you force the bottom feeders to become great organizations. What always happens 100% of the time is that the quality teams get punished and they have to become more mediocre to create parity. Anyone who tells you different is either a fool or a liar. It's how it works. So I don't think enthusiasts want parity and I don't think Fairweathers want championship contender. I think both want quality. Another point, BCG's research suggests dramatically altering MLS's regular season schedule so that the league would start play in late February or early March and conclude the playoffs at the end of August. Why? Why shorten the season to six months? Because what they're identifying, what they're identifying is That when the league needs the most visibility, it can't get it in its current format. September, October, November are gone. September, October, November. College football, the NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs and World Series, the NBA getting started, college basketball getting started. You've got a lot of competition in that window. Late spring, March, April, May, the calendar, the sports calendar is much less filled with competition. They know it. They know the answers. Major League Soccer knows the answers. They don't want to do it. Why have they not wanted to flip the calendar to go along with other leagues in the Northern Hemisphere and play fall to spring? Why do they not want the MLS calendar to finish in May with less competition on TV? The month after MLS Cup, September would be filled with a postseason international interleague tournament, ostensibly between MLS and Mexican sides. 
I mean, we're just like, we can't, we can't make our league good enough. Let's try to go do something somewhere else. Another point is that the study recommends that Major League Soccer significantly reduce its investment in youth development. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. Nor do they have an interest in really doing the soccer that they that they are in. Major League Soccer I have I have maintained for quite a while is a league that is operated so that the same owners of Major League Soccer can have a contract with the U.S. Soccer Federation through their second company called Soccer United Marketing. The two are linked. The same owners own the same percentages in both organizations. And without Major League Soccer, Soccer United Marketing would not have the market uh, capital, the market share, and the market control that it has. If you were to shut down MLS tomorrow and those owners just had Soccer United Marketing, their influence would not last. They need Major League Soccer to have first division professional league status so that they can keep their influence on the board of the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors and to be able to control the narrative and process within the federation. Back to the article. Some of these suggestions are not just ill-advised, but actually plain wrong. BCG's definition of fair-weather fans and soccer enthusiasts is the opposite of what is actually the case. Those who love the sport will watch it irrespective of the competitiveness of the game. Those are less interested will only watch if if will only watch it if games are exciting or more competitive. The suggestion to shrink the schedule such that it runs from March to August is utterly asinine, as is the complimentary introduction of another international tournament. While the less said about the about their proposition to restrict funds on player development, the better. It pertains to the point that MLS is a league ran in an American business-like manner that does not understand the global machinations of the football. Of football, the American way is not necessarily the best way, and in football, the world has proven that there is another way to govern the sport. As this report so plainly and painfully proves, MLS is yet to learn that lesson. The quicker Don Garber and company do, the better. Interesting article. Some interesting uh, insights and highlights there. But that is the key point here. That when you look at the league... And you get into the nuts and bolts of the core business you're in is soccer. Not gymnastics, not baseball. It's soccer. It's football, as we call it around the world. The core of your business, the core of what you do, has to be done better, has to be done well, has to be operated in a way that makes sense for the sport. This first goes to the point of the Federation. The Federation has made its bed with Major League Soccer, with Soccer United Marketing. They are one and the same. So what you what you have here is an organization the federation its business partner Soccer United Marketing its favorite league Major League Soccer and none of these three organizations place the soccer and the quality thereof as its priority 
That's a problem. It's a big problem. It's really hard to start fixing the problem when your obsession is on everything but what should be your main thing. I've probably told this story before, but Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A, when his company was growing, and they were getting off the ground and they were expanding, he was sitting in a board meeting with his, his board of directors and they were trying to make decisions on growth. Where do they go next? How do they capitalize on the market? And he kept hearing all of these executives of his around the, the table talking about, well, we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we've got, to, we've got to get bigger. We've got competition coming up against us in these markets and we've got to get market share first. And all these conversations are going on business, 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 business. Truett Cathy understood you can like or dislike the company Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter. The business lesson and the principle here is, is the same and can be applied to anything that you're involved in in life. True account, Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, understood the business he was in. And what he did is as, as he listened and he listened and he listened to all these suggestions of what they should do, he finally interjected and said, I hear all this talk about we got to get bigger, we got to get it bigger, we got to get bigger. And to paraphrase, he basically said this let's focus on getting better, and the bigger will take care of itself. Now, you can despise Chick fil A. Maybe you disagree with them on certain things. One thing you will not be able to disagree with is the fact that it's probably the only restaurant in America that always has cars wrapped around the building. They figured out how to do what they do better. And they do it better than pretty much everyone else. Quality. Quality over quantity is the lesson. That is the principle here. In the case of Major League Soccer, in the case of Soccer United Marketing, in the case of the U.S. Soccer Federation, the quality, the focus of quality isn't on what we talk about during a broadcast. The quality is not on how we can stack certain rosters. The quality piece has to be on the game itself. Quality over quantity. When I read comments or I hear from people and they talk about parity and they talk about Major League Soccer's growing and that's just going to water down the talent. Dude, we're talking about 30 teams in a continent-sized country. We're nowhere close to watering down our talent. The problem is you could go back down to 10 teams and the quality is going to be the same. We are not doing the soccer part well. Doesn't matter whether we had 10 teams or 30. We've got to get to a place where we focus on an excellence in quality, which means we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is the soccer piece. What do we need to do to develop quality? What do we need to do to develop excellence? What do we need to do to get all of American soccer unleashed and focused on quality? Focused on 
the right things, the best things. How do we get to that place where we're not distracted with propaganda, where we're not sidetracked on the latest, you know, Tam, Gam, Scam, Spam rule that comes out of Major League Soccer that we're focused on the essence of the sport, the actual game itself, developing players, high-quality, high-caliber players, players that are smart. And when I say smart, I'm not talking about their their intelligence as it relates to just being a smart person or dumb person. I'm not, I'm not being denigrating to our American players. What I am saying is the, the coaching in this country is not developing soccer smart players. Speed of play, creativity, we're not developing those players in mass. And we could be. We could be. And I, you know, look, quite frankly, I think we should be doing that. Speaking of um, partnering and, and finding a way to make a difference... Um, and improving the quality. Charity Water improves the quality of people's lives all over the world by providing clean drinking water to people right where they are. If you've not heard of Charity Water, go to charitywater.org. Make them a part of your story this holiday season at charitywater.org. We'll be right back after this. No one. No man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday, December the second. We were going through this uh, article, looking at some of the suggestions that the Boston Consulting Group made to Major League Soccer about things they should be doing, uh, things they could do uh, to improve MLS. And the the real thing when we look at Major League Soccer is there's not enough um, focus on excellence. Quality of soccer. Excellence. When we look at the Federation, it follows the same trend. There's not a focus on excellence and quality in everything that we do. Um, we, we have programming that is not on top of things, communications. We'll have national teams playing. No one knows. Notifications don't go out till late. All signs of mismanagement. If you're the Federation, what are you in the business of? 
to be specific, they've they've made their own statement in regards to that, and that is to make soccer the preeminent sport in America. If you're going to make soccer the preeminent sport in America, there's there's a couple things we have to keep in mind and and reconcile with that statement. First is that the sport that you're in is soccer. The focus of what you're 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 supposed to be about is soccer. To make it the preeminent sport in America, you have to focus on the game. So that means what? What does that mean to MLS? What does that mean to NISA or the USL or the NWSL? What does that mean to the NPSL and the GCPL, your local city leagues? What does that mean? When, when you talk to the Federation about where we are and focus on the game and, 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 and improving the quality of the game all over the country, and you get onto the subject of unsanctioned leagues. If we go back to what we just talked about before the break, let's focus on getting better before we focus on getting bigger. When you pose the question to Federation executives about how do we tap into what many estimate to be millions of unsanctioned, unregistered players around the country to get them part of the Federation. That should be like a massive priority for the Federation. When you talk to them about their solution to that, it's to say there's power in the badge. Really? If there were, why aren't they registered now? They can get their own insurance, and in many cases, it's cheaper than going through a Federation member. What else do they need you for? What they're saying by not being a part of the Federation is is they are saying, these leagues, these teams, these players are saying, we don't need you to do what we do. So what does that mean? It means that what you're doing isn't good enough. The Federation. You're not serving the people well. Therefore, they feel no allegiance or loyalty to be a part of your Federation. Too often, people, organizations, companies, they want to argue with you about what they believe rather than what is. And part of it is because they don't want to admit failure. They don't want to admit that they are wrong. I get it. It's not fun. It is not fun to sit there and, you know, admit, hey, we're just not good enough in this area. We're not good enough at this. I I understand that. However, let me say that when you look at where things are, they are there because of what you have done, or in many cases, not done. And therefore, the results that you see are a direct result of what you have done, what you have said, the actions you've taken, the plans you've rolled out. So we have millions of unregistered players in this country. If we want to make soccer the preeminent sport in this country, that's an area I think we should focus on. How do we do that better? What are we not doing right now to get them involved. That's one thing. Focusing on quality over quantity. Let's solve that issue. What reason is there for your local adult league to register with a federation? The badge isn't the answer. Because they don't care now. So that's not it. 
What can you provide them? Is it programming? Is it access to resources? Is it a program? For example, if your state shows X amount of growth in in membership, the U.S. national team, men's, women's, youth national team, Paralympic, deaf, one of our national teams will then come and be, and, and, and be featured in your state. Is that an incentive? Is there a program we could roll out? They could say, hey, look, if you guys join and you guys are part of this, we're going to give you access to Open Cup qualifications. We're going to give you access to this. We're going to give you access to this. We're going to bring the national team to your city. What are we doing to solve that issue? How can we make soccer the preeminent sport in this country? We've got to start to answer these questions. We've got to start figuring out the answers to these issues. Another point. We want to make soccer the preeminent sport in America. The Federation has got to do a better job at educating young families. How do we get them set up and started on the right path? That path is not showing up once or twice a week for eight weeks at three, four, five years old and paying $100 or $50 to interact with a paid coach. That's not the answer. The answer is educating young families so that they can do on their own what they need to do as parents, which is help their kids speak the language of soccer with their feet. Now, to me, the greatest resource to do this is already published. There's already a textbook on this subject. We've had him on the show. Football Starts at Home by Tom Beyer. To me, the Federation should send this book to every family in this country with kids under the age of six. Now, maybe that doesn't come directly from the Federation. Maybe it comes from the local clubs in the area. Maybe it comes from the, you know, a state association, whatever. I'm not suggesting that the Federation has to foot that bill by itself. But my point is, is that that should be a campaign that we put this book in the hands of every young family in this country so that they begin to understand how to help their kids learn and play and develop in the sport before they ever show up for an organized practice. That's something we could do. Another thing we could do in parent education is to educate families on a pathway, a pipeline. What is a reasonable expense? What is a reasonable budget? Hold some of these clubs and organizations accountable for the the amount of money that they are charging just by offering some education. Say, look, There's more than one way. Yes, there are some organizations that try to charge thousands of dollars. That's not necessarily necessary. That's not something you have to do. But too many times the Federation has gone gone along with this. Instead of bucking that and, and, and pushing back on that and saying, hey, look, we want to educate you and to, and to say that there's more than one way to do this. There's more than one way to make it. The Federation has actually gone along with this and said, look, if you don't go play for one of these expensive clubs in these expensive tournaments, we're not going to scout your kids. 
And if we've and, and if we say, hey, they're good enough, if they don't move into a major league soccer academy, we're not going to scout your kids. And this has happened over and over again in this country. So the Federation has not only not educated our families, they have helped create the very environment and system that we need to educate against. It's really hard to fix a problem when you're out there helping create the problem. When we look at where we are, if we want to make soccer the preeminent sport in this country, if we want to build quality and excellence, we've got to create a platform, an environment, an ecosystem that rewards excellence. How do we do that? Well, to me, the first step is that we have to have a federation that is responsive to its members. We have to have a federation that is responsive to people. Any people. Right now, what we have is a system of gatekeepers. We have all these memberships and we have these different people in different places, but they're not, it's not an in, in, in equal and opportunity type of an election process for the Federation. So then it becomes very hard to hold the Federation accountable. You give Major League Soccer the, the single largest vote in all of the Federation. They get 15% of the overall vote in the election. One company. That means that to reach the threshold to win an election at 50% plus one, you are giving them 30% of the vote to win an election by themselves. Think about that for a minute. One company given 30% of the necessary votes to win an election. And you wonder why we have issues. So the first thing is we need to focus on having a responsive federation, a federation that has open and fair elections to listen to the people We also need to have a system and ecosystem that rewards excellence in development, excellence in quality of play on the field, and that system doesn't exist right now. That is another role of the Federation. If we want to make soccer the preeminent sport in this country, we should be connecting every league from the lowest of the grassroots all the way to the top. How do you do that? By just following FIFA's rules. People gripe and say, "Well, there's no way you can't force a con- you have you can't force a company to to, to do something when they were founded." Uh, yes, you can. Not only can you do that, not only is that completely legal to do that, the said company knew that and has known that the entire time because it's in the rules that they have within three years to be into into compliance with whatever the rules the federation passes they understand it major league soccer is well aware that if the federation did its job that they would have to be compliant they may not like it but it's not illegal. They may not want it, but they can't stop it if the Federation puts it in. Hence why 
they have to keep their league in order to keep the some gravy train continuing to roll down the tracks. We need 30% of the overall vote. That makes a massive difference in how they reach voting power. We need quality around the country. We need a system, an ecosystem, a voting system that gets us there. We need people who have resources and money unleashed to focus on quality and excellence of play on the field. And we also need those people right now to help fight that fight and create that change. Thanks for watching the show today. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We are right in the thick of the holiday season. December 2019 is already upon us. Thanks for watching the show. As always, you can watch on facebook.com forward slash WRKMN or at danielworkman.com. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram at danielworkman. Thanks for watching. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.